Good morning. How are you? Guys doing good? Guys enjoying the rain? I love the rain. It's so beautiful. All right. Today after service, there's a bake sale going on. And I have an amazing cookie here that's at that bake sale. I've had these before and they are, they are worth 10 bucks each. Just tell you that. But this is really cool. This bake sale, the young adults are doing it. And, but it's really cool why they're doing it. They're doing it for one of their own that had their car stolen. And they, don't, they need the finances to replace it. So the proceeds from the bake sale are going to bless a young man that no longer has a car and got stolen, vandalized, and trashed. So this bake sale is going to help one of their own to get transportation. Isn't that awesome? So go give generously like you always do and get some treats while you're at it. So that'll be right after service. You can do that. Um, This Friday, we have our men's barbecue. How many men are in the room? Wow, that's pathetic. How many men are in the room? There we go. This Friday evening, starting at 5, the barbecues will be going. And we'll have a great time. Bring some meat to barbecue. Bring some food to share. And we're just going to have a good time together. George is going to share with us. It's going to be a powerful time. But just come. Bring a friend. We're going to hang out and have a good time. So that's this Friday. Don't forget that. And then next week, members of the mission, we have our annual membership meeting. It is really, really important that you are there at the membership meeting. If you are a member, anybody is invited. We'd love to have everyone that calls the mission home to be there. But if you are a member, we really need you there, okay? Can you do that, members? Yes. So glad. That was so exciting. If you haven't been in one of our annual business meetings, it's about three hours long. No. No, honestly, it's pretty quick and painless. But we just get to celebrate together as a community of what God's done in our midst. So you don't want to miss that. All right. It's good to have Regina McCollum with us this morning. To have you here. Miss you guys and love you. All right. If you have your Bibles or your app on your phone, turn to Psalms 10, verse 4. It said, In his pride the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts there is no room for God. Today, I, I'm a little distracted today. So if I seem distracted, that's because I am. Because the end of service, we're going to be doing baptisms. If you haven't figured out what this tank is all about. And Kathy, can you do me a favor? Can you f- make sure that mic doesn't drop into the water? Because that wouldn't be a good thing. But I'm really excited about baptism. It's such a, an amazing, holy, and sacred moment. So we're going to be doing that at the end of service. So I'm a little distracted because how powerful it is. And, you know, God's in the room. Yeah? There's really no point in being here if he's not in the room. I love you all. But I can meet with you at coffee and have good coffee. 
But we come together because he's in the room. And we come together for each other to experience him together. So he's always in the room with us. So good. So I want to talk real quick about kind of what's going on in the nation and in in the world right now, what God's up to. You know, at Asbury, how many of you have heard of the revival that's been going on at Asbury and across the college game? It's amazing what's going on. You know, it's, we can call it revival, we call it outpouring, people call it a move of God, renewal, whatever you want to call it. It really doesn't matter what you call it. Because honestly, if we get caught up in what it's called, we're going to miss it. If we're trying to define it, rather than just diving in, we're going to miss it. The point is, young people are encountering Jesus. And that's the point. So, I've been talking to other leaders across the nation about what's been going on. Just trying to, you know, just, hey, what are you hearing? What's... What are you guys doing? What are you sensing? What, all that. And kind of two questions that kind of keep being asked whenever I'm talking to these leaders. And the two questions that keep coming up is, what is God doing? And what do we need to do? Those are kind of the two core questions that we've been asking. What is God doing? And what do we get to do? What do we need to do? What do we need to take responsibility for? So I started asking God, what are you doing? And so part of my personality and part of growing up in church my whole life, which I'm proud of and I love that, but you can hear people talk about the new thing every week. Hey, this is the new thing God's doing. And I'm like, well, you said a different new thing last week. And you really didn't do anything about that last new thing. But you just moved on to the next new thing. And then the next new thing. And they never actually do anything about what God's doing. So it always kind of rubbed me a little. So I've become a little jaded to the new thing. Just being honest. So when starting to hear things going on in the nation and people kept saying, oh, there's a new thing. I was like, okay, great. That's nice. I'm awesome. I'm glad a new thing's happening for you. And, but something in me was like, no, 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 you got to pay attention to this. And so I started asking God, it's like, okay, what are you doing? Because I don't want to just know what the new thing is. I want to know what you're doing. So a simple response was this. The ancient of days is doing something new. See, he's the ancient of days. It's not new to him. Because he's been trying, he's been reconciling himself to humanity since time began. But it is new to us. It is new to our day. 
It is new to our age. But it's the ancient of days. That is doing something new. I'm not going to get into that today. Because as you can tell, I won't get very far. But next week, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. And um, an encounter I had over 25 years ago that I've actually never really talked about publicly. And I I believe it's time and I think it's going to help kind of help us where we're at. So don't miss next week. I'm going to try to get through it. We'll see how well I do. But the other question is what do we need to do? That's what I want to talk about this morning is our response to what he's doing. So talking to these leaders, there's two main themes that keep coming up. One is we need to just give him room. And number two, we need fathers and mothers. I had a friend that went to one of these colleges that was experiencing this outpouring. And they had to put the meetings on pause and she was talking to the main leader. And he said, we had to pause them because we didn't have fathers and mothers. We didn't have anybody to disciple these young people that are coming to Jesus. And so they had to put it on pause and they're having to re-figure how to do it. So they can have mothers and fathers and part of what they're doing. Because they know that's what will sustain them. But I think it's really connected to the first thing. That we need to give him room. That's what God's after right now. So back the end of 2017. I was talking with God. Just having my time with God. And kind of asking him, God, what? Kind of what are you doing? And kind of the same question. What are you doing? What do we need to be doing? And he gave me one of the clearest words I've ever heard. And he said, give me room and see what I can do. That was five years ago. That he gave me that. And we've been going after that. You know, we try to make room wherever, whenever we get together for him. And it seems like it could be really simple and easy thing to do. Oh, just give him room. You know, just give him room in whatever you do. But there is a Pharisee named Simon that thought that that would be an easy task to give Jesus room. And this is in Luke 7. He invites Jesus to his house for dinner. Jesus comes in. They sit down, start having a meal. And then this woman shows up. This uninvited guest shows up looking for Jesus. She's a woman with a reputation. She is not the type of woman you want in your house. But now she has come into the Pharisee's house because the Pharisee gave room for Jesus to come in. And she comes in. And it talks about how she comes behind him. 
and starts weeping and washing his feet with her tears and wiping it with her hair. And she brings this perfume and pours it out on her feet, on his feet. And the Pharisee is not real happy at all. He's like, if he was a prophet, he would know who she is. If he was a prophet, he would know what lifestyle this woman lives. And basically, why would he let her touch his feet? And of course, Jesus knows what he's thinking. So Jesus answers him. It says, Jesus answers him. And Jesus tells a little parable about forgiveness. And And the Pharisee agrees with him. Yeah, that makes sense. And then Jesus does this. He turns to the woman. This is verse 44. It says, Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for your feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she was poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. See, this Pharisee had given Jesus room, but just enough to get in the door. But he wasn't willing to put up with what comes with Jesus when he comes in the room. See, when Jesus comes in the room, the people that are hungry for him will come. But the owner of the house wasn't willing to give him room for everything that comes with him. He wasn't willing to clean Jesus' feet. He wasn't willing to clean the dirt and the other stuff that would have been on his feet. He wasn't willing to love him by greeting him with a kiss and honoring him. He wasn't willing to pour oil on his head. He wasn't willing because it cost him too much. It would have cost his reputation. It would have cost his comfort to love on Jesus, to really love on Jesus. Because there's one thing to just let him in the room. But it's another to let him go wherever he wants in that room. To let him go wherever he wants in your life. And in this house, when Jesus comes in the room, are we willing to let the one that's coming from the pigsty come in with him? Are we willing to let the person that is hurting and so desperate for Jesus that they don't take a shower or clean themselves up before they come in. 
See, the prodigal son came from the pigsty. And the dad just wrapped his arms around him and said, welcome home. He didn't care how much he stunk. He didn't care where he was coming from. He just cared that he was home. See, this Pharisee forgot why he let Jesus in the room. See, he let Jesus in the room because he wanted status. He wanted to be saying, oh yeah, I, I had Jesus at my table. Are we willing to be a church that's just satisfied to say, oh yeah, we have Jesus here? Or do we want to be a church that's willing to wash the dirt off of people's feet? And to kiss them and love them and pour oil on them. And allow Jesus to have room. See, when we, have Je- when we let Jesus have room, it costs us everything. It costs our comfort, our ease. Jesus never condemns anybody for feeling uncomfortable. He didn't go, why are you uncomfortable with this woman to be here? But he, he wasn't okay in that they didn't receive her or receive him. See, you're going to be uncomfortable with what comes in with Jesus. Guarantee it. Just trust me. Nobody is out of the realm of not feeling uncomfortable when Jesus comes in the room. Because he brings things that are going to hit buttons on you. Because honestly, he doesn't care if your buttons get pushed. He just wants to love people. He wants people to be loved. And he wants a people that will love people. Will he trust us to bring in the brokenhearted? Will he trust us to bring in the dirty? Are you willing to get dirty? Because to wash someone's feet, you're going to get dirty. You're going to deal with the stank of the world. That doesn't mean we involve ourselves in the stank of the world. But we have to be able to be willing to love somebody that's got the stank of the world on them. Because that's what Jesus did and that's what comes in when Jesus comes in the room. Are we willing as fathers and mothers... To love the ones that have rebelled. Are we willing as fathers and mothers. Willing to love the ones. That spoke out against us. Are we willing as fathers and mothers. To love the ones. That cussed us out. And said you're no good to me. See this room is full of fathers and mothers. So the question is, will you make room for him? Which means you'll make room for the people that come with him. See, that's what the Pharisees could never understand. They always accused them. You hang out with sinners. You hang out with prostitutes and tax collectors. 
They never could understand that when you have Jesus, you're going to have those people. Because he's drawing them to his heart. He's drawing them unto him. And he chose us to be the vessels that do that. That you are the ones that get to love them. You are the ones that get to disciple them. But it starts with giving him room. Are we willing to give him room? Because the ancient of days is doing something new. So the question is, are we willing? Corporately and personally. Because some of you, God's been asking for some time. He's been asking you for some time to spend with him that interrupts your schedule. Are you willing to make room in your schedule for him? Are you willing to slow down and talk to that person you just crossed paths with and love on them? See, this gets really practical. Are we willing to give room? Like in a service like this, you're like, oh yeah, this is easy to give them room. It feels cozy. You feel his love. You feel him doing something. It's easy to do that here. But are you willing to do it at your workplace? Are you willing to do it at home? And and I'm not talking about a workplace to have a big, long worship service at your workplace. Paul, you aren't going to last very long at that job if you try to do that. That's, that's not bringing revival to your workplace. Okay? That's how it looks like here. Because that's what we do when we come together. But at your workplace, is going to look different. It's going to look like you making room for the people around you and to love on them. To allowing Jesus in that space... So that they start being drawn to him. And when they're drawn to him because he's in you. You're the one that gets to wash their feet. You're the one that gets to serve them. And love them. Because they're searching for Jesus. Are we willing to make room. For the ones that come with Jesus. If I can have the band come up. So these songs you sang this morning were very dangerous. Very dangerous. One of them was on purpose. The make room was on purpose. Because we talked ahead of time. They knew what I was going to be speaking about. But it's really, they're dangerous songs because we're declaring something. Like dad said, Bishop Gollard said, you're where you're at because you said something. See, the mission is where we're at because we have said something. We have declared who we are. But we've also had therefores. Therefore, we are going to make room for God. And it is costly. It's a little messy. Services and things might not work out how we plan them. But we decided that we'll make room for him. So why don't you stand with me? We're going to go in a time of worship. 
So we're going to get ready for baptisms, but we're going to go worship. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit and ask him, where do you want me to give you room? It's an easy conversation to say, Holy Spirit, where do I need to give you room? Where have I not given you room that you're asking for? And then the next very dangerous question is, who haven't I given room for? What people around me have I not given room for you to love on? So as we worship, I want you to have this conversation with the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to baptize some people. Okay? So let's worship him.
Jesus, we make room for you and all that comes with it. See, one of the biggest mistakes churches made during the Jesus people movement was they cared more about how they looked when they came in than that they were a coming in. They couldn't understand why someone would come to church in a t-shirt and flip-flops and shorts. For Californians right now, we're like, what's the big deal about that? I mean, I've preached in shorts and a t-shirt, flip-flops before. But back then, that was pretty radical. God's moving. put our own prejudices and requirements to the side and usher in this harvest. It's going to require fathers and mothers that are willing to wrap their arms around anybody and love them and bring them into an encounter with Jesus. That's got to be our priority. Is that we love them and bring them into an encounter with Jesus. So Jesus, we're a people that will give you room. Not only will we give you room, but we'll give you give the room to the people that come with you. that are so desperate 
for you. That they're willing to push through the crowd to come to you. So teach us how to love them. Oh, Jesus, teach us how to love them. Ooh, amen.